Hello everyone, I'm Mark, the chief writer here at Maltopia, and I just wanted to remind you the sleep-wake cycle is but one of a series of interconnected horror podcasts within the wide and weird world of Maltopia. For Easter eggs, crossover events, and additional lore, please check out our other series, The Shepherd of Wolves, Red Mother, Grimland, and The Damnation Machine. And be sure to check out our free content on our Patreon page for additional lore and stories. For even more Maltopia content, consider becoming a patron. Starting for as little as $2 a month, benefits range from additional art, update videos, early episode access, our mini-podcast series, October's Children, both written and full audio pieces, such as The Lost Library, Tales of Maltopia, and The Weird Book. You can also gain access to our found footage show, The Weird Tape Series, and even our Patreon-exclusive, fully-produced audio series, Devil's Clay. So, with all that said, I will leave you to the darkness. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Rusty Quill presents.
As usual, it all burned down to the two of us. It always did. No matter the mission, the reason, the purpose, we would always go back to the basic formula. Us, alone, together. Always lost, always searching. Whether it was Marrows or Blackledge, Scream Eaters or Umbrian, we were just two half-monsters against the dark. Two lost souls who'd never find respite. And there we were again, trying to figure out if we'd reached another ending. Or maybe a new beginning. Wait a minute, where's Gand? He's not here. Well, I'll be. Maybe he wasn't the uh, go-down-with-the-ship type after all. That, or they took him. <sighs> yeah, yeah, there's that. Well, I don't know if any of that uh, shadow show meant anything to you, but we need to skedaddle like pronto. I could tell from Romy's eyes that it did mean something. I wasn't as much on reading the occult writing on the wall as I was reading people's faces. And she was on to something already. And it wasn't good. Yeah. Let's go. The battle between the Scream Eaters and, uh, our side, I guess, was still hot and heavy when we stepped out the door. It was just one of a growing number of scenes that challenged the basic reality of my existence, made me wonder how deep reality actually went. Though the, uh, atheist in me wrote off the spectacle, subsuming its apparent supernaturalism to just a higher order of banal reality. A different set of sterile rules. But maybe it wasn't atheism that had gotten into me after all, but something else altogether. Something dead, but for the cold white machines that hummed from within her pallid, dried out guts. Oh, there the two of you are. <laughs> we missed you. Care to join us in? Shit. That's her. The crematorium. We need to get the fuck out of here ASAP. Oh, ye of little faith. I'm quite sure we can... She's calling up more of those sallow things. Sure enough, the ground shook from the presence of multiple... things ascending fast and furious from beneath. I could see several of them through the nearby window, ripping out from the concrete courtyard surrounding the crematorium, sickly fluid spilling from the corroded vents located at the base of huge battered containment capsules, priming monsters made from a million screams. Hmm, seems I spoke too soon. That many monsters may be too much for even Tagus's giant jaws to wrap around. Which means... <laughs> Carface! T 
take our dearest brother and sister to safety, far from the city. You see, I'm afraid that poor Isaiah won't be able to leave the same way we came in. After all, there's just no room under a bed for a fellow who can't sleep. <laughs> Sugar's eyes went to roaming like he was delivering the punchline to an inside joke. But I wasn't in the mood to decode whatever was transpiring between them. That's great, whatever. Now can we get the hell out of here before we get ourselves cornered? Of course! <laughs> now, don't worry about a thing! <laughs> We'll talk soon enough. <laughs> As we climbed into the demon car, I could see the giant wolf monstrosity and uh, fighting alongside it what looked like a life-sized doll. Both of them were tangling with the massive torturians, a cat and what seemed like a centipede. Claws and teeth and dripping metal mandibles and hooked plastic fingertips ripping and tearing, flipping and fighting, neither side requesting or receiving quarter. To a lesser extent, I uh, could make out the vague outline of the towering yellow monster, where the spider thing was still busy enveloping it in the webbing and a milling multitude of venomous spiders. It shouldn't have been a hard scene to put in the rear view, but part of me wanted to stay, give my uh, atheism a run for its money. Settling into the car, I instinctually reached for the wheel and all the seat and mirror adjusters, but nothing budged. Instead, the knobs and winders and wheels adjusted to me, Carface apparently preferring to do the work itself. Even the seat belts fastened snugly around us. My eyes rolled back with an involuntary tick, their reaction to being denied all the little organizational rituals I indulged before blasting off in a new ride. Romy was lost in thought, her eyes tracing out shapes in the ether, the echoes of all that doom and gloom from the late great Fajin still rolling across her mind. It was a bad place for her to be, horror within and without. An instant after the car roared forward, I saw the Torturian cat leap over the wolf from hell, its metal claws sparking where they made contact again with the stone floor. It was giving chase. It must have noticed that we'd exited Lucifer's oven, possibly assuming we were making away with the goods. Taking the most direct route out of the building by smashing through a nearby wall, we were off and running, and so was the big cat. Once the gleaming metal wipers cleared the debris from the window, I could see the, uh, sallows, as my sister called them, thumping through the streets, howling like banshees. But I wasn't focused on them. I was on the lookout for her, the crematorium, the burning bitch who'd wiped the floor with me.
Lickety-split, we hit the main drag and squealed towards the ruined outskirts of Blackledge, maneuvering effortlessly around the emergent monsters and their bad singing voices. When I saw the blazing corona of fire in the shrinking distance, exactly where the crematorium was, it was a safe bet where the Queen of Screams had gotten herself to. I thought that left us with just the big mechanical cat, which should have been a cinch to outrun given the speed of our ride. But, in the words of the illustrious author of Adiism, Oscar Manzan, ignorance and arrogance are as indivisible as fear and wonder. One is never absent the other. I hadn't figured on the place being as weaponized as it was. Apparently the entire place had been retrofit with scream eater tech specifically pain-projecting technology. It was too dark to see them in any real detail, but I could see bizarre-looking machines unfolding from the rooftops of some of the buildings, projecting shrieks like gun blasts down at us. How the fucking esoterium could let the city turn out like this was beyond me. I'd been here once before, and the place was under a goddamn magnifying glass. Each area cordoned off and cleared, methodically, ruthlessly, and the security requirements for being on site were lengthy. But, like I always say, nothing smells like an inside job, like an inside job. Despite the additional menace of the pain cannons, the car from hell seemed to be handling it all with relative ease smashing through obstacles when they couldn't be driven around, and keeping well ahead of the mad cat bringing up the rear. But all that changed the moment the road ahead went up in a flash of scream and smoke and debris. The weapons began targeting the road ahead, forcing Carface to slow down to find alternative routes, and consequently letting the Torturian cat make up for lost ground. Through it all, Romy just sat there, lost to the world, adding things up that had nothing to do with the moment. I figured it was all for the best. The show outside wasn't exactly a winner. Doing a little math myself, I figured Carface had no choice but to turn around and maneuver past the cat, backtracking until it found an alternative route. But, as things turned out, the living car had other plans. As if gravity and momentum were just myths to be disproven, Carface pivoted sideways, using a nearby pile of rubble as a ramp, aiming itself at the side of a gigantic derelict hotel. In mid-air, right before we struck the side of the place, the car's headlights deepened to a roiling liquid blue, deforming the walls the light fell across. Before I knew it, we'd passed right through the side of the building, the walls having metamorphosed into a sort of gelatinous membrane that harmlessly admitted our passage.
Scarface prowled the darkened hallways of the derelict structure, its headlights dimmed to a trembling blue glow. Given the presumably decayed flooring, combined with the weight of the car itself, the vehicle somehow managed to move about surprisingly well. Arriving at a section of the floor that had completely fallen in, Carface decided it was time to flex even more of its patent ridiculousness by rolling straight up the goddamn wall and onto the ceiling. We went along this way, driving on the ceiling like it was a normal everyday thoroughfare, until we came to an open elevator shaft. Given its size, I took it for a cargo elevator, but both the platform and the cable were missing. Carface paused only a moment before gliding within the yawning darkness, its tires and engine barely making a sound as it took to the new darkness. Parking itself upon the side of the wall, pointing straight down into the bottomless dark, it killed its lights, its engine rumbling to a halt. With that, the lethal hot rod did what any other predator would do. It waited. After hanging from the seatbelts a little bit, the only thing keeping us from tumbling onto the dash, I finally realized I'd been in a fight, my injuries coming to the fore without my power tamping them down. My whole body was mashed up pretty good, and the wounds in my shoulders hurt to high hell. But I needed to knuckle down, get to the other side of this. Thank Christ I didn't have to do the driving. The enormity of life lost didn't seem to faze my brother. The families of the soldiers, the dedicated doctor who told me his story. <sighs> Adam. Just nameless casualties. But what I couldn't blame him for ignoring was the implication of the ritual. What I took from the Theater of Shadows. Gansetti was worried about a second darkness. And from what I saw... What the shadows cast from a burning man inside a room piled with human soot? That's exactly what was coming for us. A second great darkness. Romy. Romy. I'm here, uh, just thinking about things. I'd barely registered what was going on around me. The horrors ahead far more threatening than those behind us. Even if right behind us. The door to the oven was locked from the inside. Yet something got in there and cleaved a lot of them, and then managed to get out again. Any theories? I knew it was the same creature that had killed Lister, the thing with the gigantic scythe. Gand had even counted on it coming for us at some point. I was hoping it was precisely that foresight that kept him out of the body count. But I didn't want to share too much while we were literally sitting inside some kind of vehicular monster. Maybe. I just don't know yet. I need some time to put it all together. I'd been so caught up with my brother's lack of empathy that I forgot entirely about my own. I could smell his injuries, the burn wounds he was concealing. Now that I was paying attention, I could see him wincing with every other breath. Are you okay? What did she do to you? Shh. I'm okay. Just, uh... A little crestfallen, I guess. Ass-whooping, I think they call it. My power should keep me upright until my body gets a chance to catch up with the wounds. 
Until then, I, uh, I might be a tad behind the eight ball. His power had a decidedly less elegant way of healing him than my own, whereby a simple nap could generally get me right as rain. But I'd definitely seen him in worse shape, and there wasn't much either one of us could do until we were out of Blackledge. It's in here with us, the cat. Stay perfectly still. Another yowl came from the darkness. The old timbers of the dilapidated building seemed to react to it, creaking out a mumbling response. But other than that, the torturium was silent, likely as fleet of foot as a real cat. But while I was good at solving the brain teasers we'd come up against, Isaiah had a way of deducing the more practical facts of a situation. Some kind of stream eater echolocation, I'm betting. Of course he was right. The bastards had learned to use pain and shrieks for just about everything else. Why not echolocation, too? Apparently the information wasn't wasted on the living car, as it seemed to react to the news. Clicking on a single wiper, it swept a small bit of debris from its windshield. It tumbled down into the abyss, ticking off the walls as it tumbled, baiting a trap. The elevator two doors down smashed open without warning. Rusty beams of dim light shining through the breach. The Torturian cat scanned the darkness. Carface engaged the locks, the tiny sound causing the cat to leap across the elevator shaft, burying its claws into the wall, scanning the emptiness with its spotlight eyes. The Torturium was a second from discovering us when Carface hit the lights and roared to life. We roared down the wall, gravity and gasoline launching us into the depths. The cat reared up from its hold upon the wall, twisting to face its attacker, releasing the beginnings of a shriek as Carface plowed straight into the thing. Splaying the metal monster across the hood and along the top of the car. It ripped at the sides of the vehicle as we plummeted into the darkness, revving and roaring and screaming. I don't know how many floors we thundered past, but just before we got to the basement, Carface hit the brakes. The broken momentum rocketed the Torturian straight down, smashing it into the concrete below with an eruption of dust and debris. Without missing a beat, the living hot rod threw itself into reverse, the leather-wrapped shifter snapping into place. Wheels squawking, we sped backwards up the wall, headlights pouring out an ocean of blue light. Wherever the beams touched the old walls, fissures split the stone. Within seconds, the entire elevator shaft was collapsing. Carface jammed the brakes and spun 180 degrees, facing straight up the elevator shaft. I was crushed into my seat as the car shifted gears and floored the accelerator, feeling for all the world like I was blasting off in a goddamned rocket. We climbed higher and faster by the instant, and I could hear the muted caterwaul of the feline Torturian as it was crushed beneath tons of concrete and steel. 
A gigantic section of the wall we raced up buckled outward as a substantial portion of the surrounding floors crashed past us, the building listed to one side. That's when I realized the entire structure was coming down. Carface kept a hair's breadth ahead of the collapsing tunnel, masterfully dodging whatever debris tumbled down at us. The monster car's light blazed like sapphire stars when we reached the top of the shaft, the ceiling yawning wide and liquescent as we rocketed past the opening and launched into the jet-black sky above. Glancing into the rear view, I watched the entire building slowly sink into a gray mushroom cloud, vanishing within a massive plume that billowed the length and breadth of the city block. When we reached the terminus of our momentum, hanging silent and motionless in the middle of the sky, there was a moment of hellish calm. I looked over to Isaiah, who seemed less than thrilled with the situation, white-knuckling the steering wheel, eyes wide as saucers. When he saw me looking, he just offered a child's grin. Uh, just think happy thoughts? As we fell back to Earth, following the building down into the billowing dust, the car somehow managed to aim its nose downward. Isaiah and I were utterly silent as we listened to the wind rush past the windows and whistle through the grill. When the headlights blazed blue again, I knew Carface had a plan. Thanks to all that dust and smoke and darkness, I have no idea how the monster car managed it. And when we emerged from the concrete cloud, we were outside the city, streaking down a clean length of black pavement, the wretched lair of the Eater of Screams vanishing in the rear view. The Sleep-Wake Cycle is a Maltopia production. Today's episode was written by Mark Anzalone and performed by Kelly Bear and Mark Anzalone. The episode was edited by Walker Kornfeld. Sound production and editing was performed by Stephen Anzalone. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Maltopia. That's M-A-E-L-T-O-P-I-A. And if you'd like to know more about the world of the Sleep-Wake Cycle and contribute to its nightmarish expansion visit us at www.patreon.com forward slash Meltopia, where you can gain access to all sorts of art, mythology, stories, and more. For more information about the sleep-wake cycle and the larger world of Meltopia, head over to Meltopia.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.